Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Welcome to Woke AF with me, Danielle Moody. Earlier this year, I was joined by Dr. Jen M. Jackson to talk all about their experience and perspective as a polyamorous person and to discuss how polyamory ties into race and gender liberation. I shared part of that conversation with you at the end of January after posting the full discussion for Woke AF Nation over at patreon.com slash Woke AF. And I got such a strong response that I had to have them back to further educate my curious listeners. This time, I also invited their husband, Darren Jackson, who co-hosts their podcast, That Black Couple, to talk about his experience as a monogamous asexual person in a relationship with a polyamorous queer person. I ended up getting more than I bargained for as Jen's live-in partner, Tia, jumped on the couch and joined them for what became a nearly hour-long symposium. So today, I bring you a juicy morsel of that thought-provoking session about living as a polyamorous Black person in the 21st century. What is it like to raise three children in a polyamorous household with a married couple and a third partner? Listen in and find out. I think that it is always important whenever I'm talking about various topics on Woke AF to have an explainer, right? Mm-hmm. And what was interesting to me, Jen, when we first spoke was the differentiation between polyamory, monogamy, what it means to have a nesting partner versus yeah. other partners, what it means to show up in these different spaces. Now, these are, I guess, labels, but I almost, I see them as explainers. If in fact you want to explain or describe your relationship. So can you all explain your dynamic again? And then we can jump into, you know, even deeper conversation about kids and parenting and all of that. Yeah. I mean, Darren and I met our first day of move-in at University of Southern California in 2002. So I have known this person for more than half of my life at this point. And 
we just took to each other. You know, we were not romantic. We just kind of were drawn to each other. We liked the same music. We liked the same food. We couldn't stand the same people together. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we found the same things generally annoying. Yeah. And um, so that bonded us together in a way where we said, you know, regardless of what this looks like, we want to be in each other's lives forever. If it's a romantic thing, if it's parenting, if it's family, whatever it is, we want to do it together. And that was a commitment that we had from the beginning. I was always poly. I was always queer. So I was kind of confused, like, well, you're a boy. I remember saying that a lot to him, like, hey, but you're a boy. So just know this is going to get a little dicey for me. And, (laughs) you know, we decided to trust ourselves and trust our bodies and let our lives move in the ways that felt natural to us. And so we wanted to get married. And I, for the first time in my life, I was like, I think I want to have kids with someone. And he was the only person I've ever in my life wanted to raise a family with. And so, you know, I have a heart condition. I was told I could never have kids. I had open heart surgery and they said, well, you can. I said, great. Cause I found the perfect person. Right. And so we have three children and, you know, we are now at a stage where we have a business together. We are mm-hmm. raising a 13 year old, nine year old and seven year old. Um, we have a home together. We have, you know, jobs and we are nested. We build a life together. We do life together. We build life together. But I also am now at a point where I have someone I consider my wife or my future wife. And I want to also now build life with her. And that was something I didn't think was possible. Darren is monogamous. And you can, you can also talk if you would like to. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, but, like, but yeah, he's like, you're I in am, flow. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, Once what you we- get a break, you know? Yeah, but yeah I, I am monogamous. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I've come a long way in even defining what monogamy is. I think just like polyamory, monogamy is different for everybody. I'm someone who in various conversations have said, well, maybe I could be polyamorous in another life. Um, (laughs) But in this life that I'm living, I don't have the bandwidth, the attention, the energy, you know, so on and so forth to maintain more than one relationship with an individual. (laughs) And I identify as a monogamous person. But I, I think our dynamic is also interesting because I am also asexual at the same time. So I am not interested at this point in my life in the sexual interactions. That doesn't mean that we're not romantic, platonic, loving, building life together, like you've said, but that is not an aspect that is important to me. And so I think what we've done in our relationship that's been very powerful and very important is we've had, you know, decades long conversations about what we each want, what's important to us, what isn't important to us. And we have kind of meshed together to make our lives work for each other. Mm -hmm. And we've also been there for each other as those things shift and change. So I don't think at any point have we looked at each other and said, you're not allowed to change who you are or what Mm. you like or what's important to you. If tomorrow things change, it doesn't mean, you know, there's a boundary that you're not allowed to, to cross and you're now crossing it and that now ends everything. It means now we have a conversation. And that's, I think, you know, historically, everyone says that about relationships. It's all about communication. And I feel like that's that much more important when polyamory is a part of the equation, mm-hmm. because you do have to have those open lines of communication mm-hmm. and understanding with one another to make sure that everyone's needs are met. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I want to ask, go back to Jen, is mentioning a wife and somebody else that you are wanting to or are currently uh, sharing your life with. Mm. What does that look like when you, <laughs> when you, oh shit, we could have done a three conversation. I told her you might want her, I told her you might want her to come in and say, hey. <laughs> I may. 
<laughs> I may. How did that evolve and what does this look like? And then I want to go into um, how you talk to your kids. Yeah. So, you know, I've always been poly, you know, I've never understood monogamy for me. I've always, even back to like high school for me, I felt drawn to lots of different people and I felt lots of different energies. It was hard for me when people would make me choose and I didn't like it. And so I would just opt out. The moment somebody said, you can't be with this person or you can't, I was like, okay, I'm out. I would literally just dip out. Uh, Some people say this because I'm a Virgo. I know it's because I'm poly. (laughs) And what that has meant is that, you know, for me specifically, I was also very closeted all growing up. I grew up very religious. Um, I was not allowed to express the parts of me that are masculine and androgynous. Um, I was always kind of encouraged to be, I'm 6'4", I'm and I've been 6'4 since I was 12. So it was like, you're going to be a model and you're going to be all this stuff. And it wasn't the encouragement to be like, lean into the parts of you that are androgynous. Like, I feel very Grace Jones. I don't feel Cindy Crawford. Here she go. Come here, cutie pie. Can we make room? Come on. Come on, baby. You got got a collar. You got a collar jacket. Come on, baby. Hello. (laughs) Hi. That's Tia. Tia, I'm Danielle. This is Woke AF. Thank you so much for popping in. Oh, Woke as fuck. Yeah. Mine is the... Um, Sorry. <laughs> no. So basically, you know, I think for me, it was around the time I was in college where I was like, yeah, I'm queer. And I kind of started to really accept it, but I still wasn't out. I was very, very much closeted. And in terms of, you know, what it looks like building a life with Tia, same thing that I talked about with Darren. It's like, we dream together. Like we have mm-hmm. dreams of having a compound or farm and where we, you know, do work together, where we train folks on self-care and polyamory and going back to the land and taking back our bodies from the world that's tried to claim us. And like, for me, it's like, we've connected in that way. And I've chosen to lean into it and to let it do what it wants to do. Very similar to what I was just talking about with Darren, like, I don't know how it's going to look and I don't need to know how it's going to look. I don't need to have all the answers, but it felt natural. You know, when it was like, Hey, let's just move in together. You know, like, let's just be a family. And it felt right. And everyone works. And I think it's one of those things where, because we're so wrapped up in cultural normativity about what should be and Mm -hmm. who is allowed to experience joy. And also we have so much trauma where when things are going well, we wait for the other shoe to drop. And I say we, cause I'm we. Girl, I'm we. Okay. I'm we. So that I'm we, we. You we. Are, you, I am we. you, you are me We're we. and we are we. But, but, but also <laughs> when things are good, we spend so much time afraid about what's going to happen that we don't get to just sit and enjoy. Mm. And so I, I think what we're all trying to work on, not speaking on the right time, um, but like, it's just really sitting with like, this is good. And we are happy. Um, and we are building a life that allows each of us to really go after what it is that we want for ourselves. And so that's kind of how all this, I mean, so, so she'd be copying my hair color though. I mean, y'all look cute and like twins. Tia, so, <laughs> so tell me you all, everybody now lives together. Yes. They okay. Tia, introduce yourself, and then I want to know how long have you been? Are you poly? Are you monogamous? And how does how has this been functioning for you? <laughs> sure. So I'm Tia. Um, Hello, Tia. Originally from Jersey, of Jamaican descent. So, um, yay! <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I've been poly for maybe the past three, four years. I'm getting up there in the right. right. So I'm, I'm, kinda, I'm yeah, getting a little oldie, grown oldie, in poly. Oldie but goodie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it started out for me as just reimagining what it meant to have a successful relationship. I was like, if I want to do relationships or marriage, what would that look like for me? So I started with the idea of living apart together from like RuPaul and his partner. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so people can... I was like, you can love somebody and not want to live with them. Like if you have a messy partner and being able to love somebody on their terms, because I am a neat freak. So that was something that was like a big Mm -hmm. kicker for me. And then it started to be like a more imagining like ethical non-monogamy and then reading up more about that. Like the ethical slut was a really good book that helped me with that. So just kind of like going down the trail and like slowly just making the journey for myself. So polyamory really was just like a natural progression for me but I think I've always understood I was like I think we should just be honest about like if we like other people but not understanding what that meant in a monogamous context. I was like don't and then it's like your partner would be like oh well I don't know I don't know if I can trust you with my truth if I'm attracted to other people I don't know if I can trust you with my truth if there are things that have changed for me in our relationship and it felt like a safer way to be more honest in relationships and to really build it on trust and, and just more intentionality than anything else. So you have three kids. Yeah. And everybody is three living in the house, three whole other human beings. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about how you have this open conversation and about what you think that you all, the three of you, are teaching them about relationships, about love, about connectivity. Anybody can anybody can start. So I'll, I'll preface this by saying we we have raised these kids very intentionally from the beginning to really want them to be their own people and whatever that means, but also being very open and honest and transparent about how we move through life and who we are as people. Mm-hmm. We also check in with them probably too much, um, <laughs> but we're all we're always checking in on them to make sure they're okay, to ask if they have any questions, to you know openly and honestly answer those questions. And so as things have changed over the years, as as different dynamics have come into play, as we've moved and been in different situations, right, we've always checked in with them and say, hey, are you okay? Is something bothering you? What do you like? What do you not like? And so I think that, once again, the open lines of communication have been really great with us in raising our kids. And that doesn't mean that we don't have fears or concerns or worries and doubts, right? And all those things, they do appear. But as Tia has moved in, we have you know, checked in with them and made sure they're okay, see if they have any questions, both privately, one-on-one, and then also as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, I've been very proud <laughs> and happy and in, in how, honestly, they've really been unmoved. Really? Because <laughs> uh, my, my fear and my thought and my expectation was there'd be concerns, there'd be questions, there'd be worry that, you know, all these things that we would have to deal with. And really seriously, it's yeah. been like, we're good. Can so, we play board can games? I, can, yeah. can we go outside? Like, not change. My daughter, said, fruit my daughter right. said, my daughter, the first thing she asked us is, Tia's going to move in. She said, does she like crafts? And I was like, I just told you a whole human is moving in. And the, she was like, I said what I said. Because we had already met at that right. point. They were doing dance-offs and things. I mean, I want to say a couple things. I think the first is that, you know, 
we did not, Dan and I, when we talked about having a family, because it's so important to me, it was something I was told I would never be allowed to do that my body could not do it. But I was told that I would never be allowed to do it, right? Like I would never, because of my heart condition. And so I was like, if I ever have children, it's going to be like, I'm so serious about this. And I'm like, I want to raise these free black children. You know, my childhood was really rough. And you know, I was coming out of like surviving multiple sexual assaults and having like issues with being abused by family members and things like that. And so for me, it was like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And so I was intense. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie or whatever. Um, but when we decided to start a family, I was like, we're going to raise free black children. We're never going to tell them who they are. We're going to ask them who they are. And like, we're going to give them all the options. I don't want to force them into any religion. I don't want to force them into any identities. I don't let them tell us who they are. I want to meet our children. Mm. And, you know, it was important to us to debunk these myths about how you have to be when they would come home and say, oh, those are boy clothes or those are girl clothes or boy toys or whatever. Like we've always had conversations around gender. And then I remember at one point my daughter was like, you know, she would catch us on pronouns. She'd be like, you do not know the person's gender. Do not, she heard them. I'm like, you're right. You know, like we were very good about saying like, we don't, we don't have to be one way. And so we've done that since they were born. And you know, they've seen me evolve through, you know, queerness and how my poly shows up in the world. And so this is like not new for them to the point where sometimes I feel like they're bored. And it's, it's, they are, I tell them something like, yeah, mom, we know, like you're a whole professor, like stop. stop. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like, I just wish people would trust children more, specifically Black right. children. Yeah. You know, Black children sit at the nexus of so many identities and experiences, and we don't trust them to understand the world. And they get it more than so many adults. So, I mean, my children, I sometimes feel sad that I don't want to leave my house because the people in my house are so wonderful. My kids, we have so much fun. And like, they are so brilliant and amazing. So they have it. Our conversations with them have been more you know, just kind of seeking more wisdom and understanding and making sure that they have clarity um, than anything else. But they are very much like we're a family and people here love us and they feel the unconditional love. Um, and that's what matters to them. And they haven't felt threatened or unsafe. Their routine's not changing. Like there's nothing that has signaled to them that their lives are in threat or peril. And mm. I think that's what kids are worried about, right? They're worried, like, is this going to materially affect the quality of my life? Yeah. And what they're saying is actually things are funner and better. <laughs> so they're good, you know? And I think people have to look at that stuff more and, and let kids really take their time to work through um, their experiences in ways that they have the expert knowledge to do because they actually do. They do have it's the funny knowledge. funny because I think that there has always been this desire and as a former teacher, I recognize this very clearly that there's always this desire to protect children from what adults believe will somehow rob them of their childhood. And there is a protection as opposed to a guidance that is there, right? Like, how do you learn? You learn through exposure, right? Mm -hmm. And how do you, you know, and how are you feeling about these things? Well, then we discuss them, right? And, mm -hmm. and we discuss what's coming up for you. And if you shield, if you cover up, then where is the the learning. The learning isn't just how to navigate through this, you know, 
false idea of perfection or or non-struggle like oh I don't want my kids to struggle well how are they going to develop you know resilience, resilience. like yeah. I'm confused about grit. how you expect them to have grit and resiliency when you don't expose them to shit you know and I'm not a parent but I have seen how that is detrimental to people. Like when you go into raising children as opposed to raising people, I feel like that's where the problem comes is mm-hmm. that they're not going to be children for forever. They're going to, they are people. And they belong to themselves. Correct. Like they belong to themselves. Our responsibility is not to, to keep them and to possess them. It's to teach them how to belong to themselves and how to be responsible for themselves and to be here to witness it. I see myself as a witness. I'm like, this is so cool. Like they do stuff. And I'm like, that's a new word. High five. Like, I just think that they're interesting. Yeah. And well, I wish they would translate things for other people. So like the other day, one of the kids was in school and we were kind of being loud adults <laughs> and we were like, kids, <laughs> we're like making out of the kitchen or something. They're like, sorry, that's just my two moms doing stuff. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. They're like, it's okay. <laughs> Continue on with the math lesson. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, I tell it over here, but it's, you know, it gives them language because now they have to translate what they're seeing. They're like, well, for you, this might mean this. So they're giving other people language for how they can interpret what is happening, Mm -hmm. even in their household. And I mean, it was one of the confirmations for me, like aside from like meeting Darren and I was like, oh, you're a cool human. You know, it was just like the kids were confirmation that I was like, oh, this is the person that you say you are because kids are often a reflection of their parents. So seeing that, you know, these were just human beings that were living their best free lives. <laughs> they had opinions and thoughts. They had their own politics. They were free to express themselves. And it was like everything that you had said was also true. So it was like mm. confirmation come to fruition. So that was one of the things that I was like, oh, I, this is my person. Like we go together now. <laughs> um, That's adorable. <laughs> Woke AF is a space to get you woke to all facets of life, and that is why I have these conversations about sexuality and queerness, because these are important aspects of our lives that mainstream society would prefer we simply not talk about. Later in our discussion, Jen, Darren, T, and I dissect the Red Table Talks episode about polyamory, and we break down the age gap and how non-traditional sexualities and relationships are perceived by older people versus millennials and the next generation who are coming into adulthood. To hear the full hour of my three-way interview with these amazing intellectual polyamorous peeps, head over to patreon.com slash wokeaf and support this show by joining Woke AF Nation. You'll get access to hundreds of past shows, including my very first interview with the incredible Dr. Jen M. Jackson. And who knows, this may not be the last time you hear from them. Whether I see you next on Patreon, in the tweets, or on Instagram at D2Cents, or here on this weekly podcast, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. 
visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.